This is ARN, the American Racing Network. Drivers, start your engine! Get ready, strap in, and hold on. We're getting the green starting right now. It's a pretty basic understanding. I'm always going to speak my mind, and I'm not going to hold back. I don't even know how that works. It's an entertainment sport, not a fair sport. You're shifting gears on ARN with Alan Bailey. Welcome on in, gearheads. It is Sunday, August 16th, 2020. I'm Alan Bailey, and welcome on in to Shifting Gears. If you're still listening on any podcasting app that you happen to be listening on, make sure you head over to YouTube and go to youtube.com and search Hey Alan Bailey, because now we're in video form as well. That's right. You can go ahead and watch the show with highlights, me in studio and my face for radio face, and my hat covering up my male pattern baldless that is not being disguised as a COVID bald cut haircut, I swear. Fingers crossed on that one. Lots of racing action to talk about. Qualifying for the Indianapolis 500 F1 in in Spain. Plus, you have NASCAR down in Daytona, but not for a restrictor plate race. That's right. For the first time in 60 years, NASCAR taking to the high banks of Daytona, but going road racing instead. There's only one way we can start off the show, and that's with this week's Hot Topics, powered by AmericanRacingNetwork.com the Motorsports Authority. NASCAR back in Daytona today, but not on the high banks. For the first time since 1960 and the first time ever running a points-paying cup race on the Daytona road course, in the rain no less, but something new for NASCAR ended in a familiar sight. With Chase Elliott taking the checkered flag, the third consecutive road course cup race Elliott has won dating back to last season. It's Elliott's fourth road course victory in the last six NASCAR road races. Marco Andretti backing up his blazing speed in Indy 500 qualifying today, knocking off Scott Dixon to win the pole position for next week's 104th Indianapolis 500. It's the first time an Andretti has been on the pole in 33 years in Indy when Marco's grandfather Mario qualified first back in 1987. Mercedes' Lewis Hamilton executed a near-perfect race at the Spanish Grand Prix, leading every lap from pole to record his fifth Spanish Grand Prix win, his fourth victory of the 2020 season, and with Red Bull's Max Verstappen coming home ahead of sister Mercedes' Valtteri Bottas in third. The AMA Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series kicked off their 2020 season yesterday. Zach Osborne winning overall in 450s event on Saturday at the season opener in Tennessee. Austin Centric avoided the chaos and crashes to win Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at the Daytona Road Course. It marked his fifth victory in the last six races in the series, something that hasn't been done since Sam Ark did it back in the 1980s. Sheldon Creed held off Brett Moffat in an overtime finish to win Sunday morning's NASCAR Truck Series race at the Daytona Road Course, leading 19 of 46 laps and scoring his second victory of the season. And the dream season for dirt for Kyle Larson continued last night with his fourth World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series victory of the year, leading all 30 laps at the historic Knoxville Raceway. For these stories and more, make sure you go ahead and log on to AmericanRacingNetwork.com to keep up on all the latest motorsports news you need. ARN, the Motorsports Authority. 
Lots of interesting racing over the weekend, admittingly. Yes, we can talk about the pole run, but frankly, if you watch the coverage and those highlights that we just showed, frankly, you got everything there. And Andretti's on the pole at Indianapolis. Something that, admittingly, we haven't seen in a very long time, yes, but frankly, that's next week's show. We can go ahead and talk about the Indy 500, but frankly, we're all just going to watch it next week. So instead, let's turn the clock backs and talk about in detail what happened down in Daytona not too long ago for the very first time now. NASCAR taken to the road course out there. Now, why exactly? In a word, COVID. Now, COVID has done many things. It's jambled up the NASCAR season. It's jambled up all the professional sports and pretty much our lives here in 2020. But more specifically for the Cup Series, NASCAR was supposed to head up to Watkins Glen for a road course up there. However, New York State closing down everything, including sporting venues, has prevented NASCAR from going back to Watkins Glen in 2020. Same thing for the Sonoma Road Course in California. What does that mean? NASCAR needed to add a road course to the series. And where do you do it? Well, you've got that Daytona Road Course that NASCAR owns and... It's actually not too hard to put on a good show out there in Daytona. So that's what they did. Let's go ahead and check out the highlights from today's NASCAR Cup Series race. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin leading the field to the green. It's the first time since 1960 that NASCAR has raced on the road course at Daytona and the first time that it's a points-paying cup race. Everyone holding their breath on lap one. No practice, no qualifying for the cup cars. It's the first time that most of the drivers in the series have raced on the layout ever. Denny Hamlin showing off his skills and his eye racing hours, as long as his daughter doesn't turn off his screen. Hey, my screen just went black. Uh-oh. Hamlin getting the lead on lap one. Teammate Kyle Busch on his bumper, but Hamlin would lead lap one on the road course. We fast forward a couple laps. Kyle Busch gets around his teammate, but he locks up his front bumper getting into the final turn and lets Hamlin get back in front at Daytona. Lots of drivers missing the dog legs, two of them on this road course, including Brad Keselowski. When you miss the dog leg, you have to come to a complete stop on the track under green in order to give that time back, and then you're allowed to keep going and keep whatever spot you blend into. But as you can see, a lot of spots being lost right there by Brad Keselowski. Final lap of stage number one, Alex Bowman cuts down a rear tire on the backstretch. He would make it back to pit road somehow, but it wouldn't stop teammate Chase Elliott from winning stage number one. Lap 25, the bad season for Kyle Busch continues. He spins under braking going into the chicane. Rowdy would stay on the lead lap. Lap 31, nice guy Denny Hamlin would let the lap down car get his lap back. Haven't seen that in a while. Hamlin would go on to win stage number two, fifth stage win of 2020 for the 11 car. Restart here on lap 33, final stage of the race. Chase Elliott leading them into turn one. Aggressive start for the field. Then problems for Kevin Harvick here. He would get turned around and spun in front of the entire field. Somehow come to a stop and watch all 38 cars drive around him, pointing in the wrong direction. Burn. From second to dead last in one turn, thanks to the front bumper of the number 95 of Chris Bell. Somehow, everyone got around Kevin. No damage, but Harvick is anything but happy at this point. Lap number 37, NASCAR throws the yellow and red flags. 
lightning in the area. The delay would last about 30 minutes. They would go racing around lap 40 with Chase Elliott leading. Lap 49, more problems for Kyle Busch on pit road with 17 laps to go. Problems with the right rear would be a brake issue that would send the 18 to the garage area. He would rejoin the race a few laps later. Six laps to go. The bad season for Kyle Busch just keeps getting worse. Caution for the fourth time today. Not one, but two flat rear tires on the 18 would cut down. Coming off of NASCAR turn two, it would end Kyle's day in Daytona. Restart with three laps to go. Jimmy Johnson right behind his Hendrick teammate, trying to make it into the playoffs for his final season in NASCAR. Denny Hamlin working the outside, would let Chase get away in the lead as the battle for third and fourth rages on. White flag for Chase Elliott. Denny Hamlin right in his draft, waiting for Chase to make a mistake. Hamlin would drive in deep a couple times under braking, heavy braking, would get right to Chase's bumper, but it wouldn't stop Chase Elliott from getting the very first Daytona road course win, his third road course win in a row in the Cup Series. Hamlin, Truex, Johnson, and Busher would round out the top five in Daytona. Chase Elliott simply on fire in the road course. I think he's the new road course ringer, whether we want to admit that or not. The kid is absolutely phenomenal. He's put on amazing shows every time we go to a road course at this point. Picked up his very first Cup Series victory on a road course, and he's picked up some oval victories as well, but... He's a kid who really grew up on the short tracks and really is used to short track racing, downshifting and things like that, but somehow that translated to road course success. His father, Bill, in my mind, wasn't exactly a road course ringer. He wasn't bad on the road courses, but he wasn't dominant like his son Chase is at this point. And Chase, being NASCAR's prodigal son, is only good for the sport. I keep thinking of Chase Elliott, and the moment that always sticks out for me is his very first Cup Series victory back in Watkins Glen. Everybody remembers the dramatic turn of events in that race. Chase running on fumes. Can he make it? Oh no, second place Chase. Is he actually going to get a victory for the first time in the Cup Series? And Lord and behold, goes on to win. Teammate Jimmy Johnson has to push him back. To, to the start-finish line because he runs out on the pace laps after the race. And then a few hours later, Tommy boy Brian France gets arrested for drug paraphernalia in his car and drunk driving. And that's the story ESPN and the rest of the sporting community runs with. Not the fact that Chase Elliott, very talented driver, is in victory lane for the first time. <laughs> bad move, bad move. It kind of overshadowed Chase, and now we're at a point where we can actually start to talk about Chase Elliott as not only a championship contender, but also a guy that we have to seriously look at in the playoffs. Can he go all the way? The fact that the Roval's in there is almost a guarantee that Chase is going to have a great day, but can Alan Gustafson keep the wheels on that nine car, and can Chase keep it up front and actually make it into the final four come Phoenix later this spring? later this fall rather I don't really know I think it's one of those we got to wait and see how they're running at the time because Chase is either winning a race or he's mediocre and barely in the top 10 there's not really a middle ground for Chase Elliott anymore I think that he definitely needs to work on consistency and getting a few top fives here and he's kind of sort of done that the last few uh, weeks here in the cup series but Chase is definitely one of those guys that needs to just inch his way a little higher in the running order week after week if he rattles off four or five top fives here heading into the playoffs he could seriously be a contender and it all comes down to what you do in the playoffs and at this point 
I don't know. It's anybody's game. We'll have to wait till the playoffs begin to see really who is a contender at this point in their careers. Now, a lively discussion that I think we're going to continue to have for years and probably generations to come, who is the greatest Formula One driver of all time? The question came up in a Let's Play that I posted a few weeks back. Really, it comes down to two drivers in my head, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton. You could argue either or really are at the top of their game, and in their respective eras, they obviously were dominant. But today, Lewis Hamilton took a step in the right direction and really kind of is starting to level out that playing field as far as the numbers are concerned. Let's check out the highlights from today in Formula One. Drop of the green at the 2020 Spanish Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton on the pole gets a great start and beats everyone into turn one with everyone very racy at the start of this one, but that Red Bull is not too far behind. Lap number four, the Mercedes teammate working on the back of Stroll at the line and gets him going into turn one. Power move right there from that Mercedes. Lap 22, pit stops for the leaders. Red Bull gets rid of the softs and go ahead and they put on those mediums for this run of the race. Lap 24, leader in the pits for the first time today, and a slow left rear costing Lewis Hamilton some time in the pits. Uh, I did say it was a near-perfect race at the top of the show, right? Teammate also in the pits, and even with that mistake for Hamilton, both Mercedes hold the lead 1-2 on the track here on lap 24. Fast forward a few laps, lap 28, getting very racy back inside the top 10. The Haas car losing some ground. Alex Albon moving up with a power move on the outside up into the top 10 for Albon. Kevin Magnussen down three spots in the same sentence right here. Youch! Not a good day for them. Lap 35, the battle inside the top 10 is still red hot. No one backing down. Amazing close racing here in Spain. Norris holding on to 11th for now. Trouble on lap 37. Problems for Leclerc stopped on the racetrack. Engine issues would cause the spin out. Done for the day. First car done for the day as they would take that car into the garage. Lap number 34. Remember that battle for 10th? It's still red hot. The Red Bull trying to get the spot. Working the outside. Amazing battle for 10th here on lap 43. Lap 57, 10 laps to go. Lance Stroll makes a move on the red Ferrari with DRS on the main straight to move into fifth. One lap later, Raikkonen not happy with the Haas on the radio after a close call on the main straight. Look what the f that idiot did. I was already turning and he almost took me off. Lap 66, Lewis Hamilton, championship leader, leads every lap gets another Spanish Grand Prix, extends his point lead in 2020, and moves within three victories of Michael Schumacher for the most F1 wins of all time. Red Bull's Max Verstappen coming home ahead of the sister Mercedes of Valtteri Bottas, rounding out the podium. Amazing race today. It seriously was. The battle outside the top 10 was breathtaking. It simply made you hold your breath and... <gasps> as those close calls just kept coming lap after lap after lap and no one was backing down. These drivers spent so much time waiting for the season to start. Now that it's here, we don't know how much longer it's going to last with this coronavirus. Yes, we have races on the calendar, but at any moment we could have a flare of cases all over the world and it could shut down all of sports as we know it. So these drivers know we have to go out there and get every single point that they can 
while we're still racing. And it's like that for every series. But in Formula One, it is so competitive and so close right now. It is absolutely amazing racing. The big question that I still want to ask you, what do you think? Are we looking at Lewis Hamilton or Michael Schumacher for the best driver in Formula One history, the greatest driver, the GOAT in Formula One. Go ahead and leave it in the comments down below. I'm leaning more towards, yes, believe it or not, Lewis Hamilton, because he truly is an amazing, amazing driver. I think if you take Michael Schumacher in his prime and Lewis Hamilton in his prime and both of them in the best equipment that they've ever had in their career, I think Lewis Hamilton in Mercedes might actually beat Michael Schumacher in Ferrari. I know, sue me, I'm cuckoo crazy, I know, but I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Let me know in the comments down below or comment on the respective podcasting app or on AmericanRacingNetwork.com, wherever you're listening or watching. What do you think? Who is the greatest Formula One driver of all time? Let us know. Now, turning our attention back to the NASCAR world, huge weekend and week for one driver in particular. Are you telling me we finally know where Bubba Wallace will race in 2021? No, unfortunately, no. But honestly, we're getting a clearer picture here. It's very much a 50-50 split. Bubba Wallace is either going to continue to drive the 43 car at Richard Petty Motorsports as a partial owner with potentially new investors, a new celebrity owner coming in and buying a chunk of Richard Petty Motorsports was one of the reports this week. Don't know who yet. We can sit here and speculate, but the internet seems to believe that Michael Jordan is getting into the NASCAR team owner game. I'm so-so. Michael Jordan has an established relationship with Denny Hamlin. They're friends off the track and off the court, and I don't think he's going to go ahead and necessarily buy into a race team anytime soon, but... I could be wrong. I have been before. Time will tell on that. And those are just rumors and reports at this point. I could tell you right now, I'm the celebrity who's actually looking into buying part of Richard Petty Motorsports. I have $43 to my name because I work in radio and I totally can buy part of that team for that little amount of money. Why not? It's a rumor I just started. Now what? but we all know it's a bunch of baloney. The real question is, where will Bubba Wallace race in 2021? Like I said, two options, Richard Petty Motorsports, or he could end up at the 42 for Chip Ganassi Racing. Those are two official offers he has on the table. And I think at this point, Bubba Wallace is kind of waiting and seeing what his options are. And what I mean by that is waiting and seeing what equipment he gets the next few weeks over in that 43 camp and what happens with that 43 and that one car because frankly performance is a huge factor of this I could see him going either way I posed the question to you last week where you think Baba Wallace will end up going in 2021 just being honest zero said Really enjoy the video. I would love to see a live version of this on Twitch. Now for the question you've been asking. One, if I was Bubba Wallace, I would probably go to the 42. The car is just better funded and has better performance than the 43. Two, I think Chase Briscoe goes to the 14 car when Boyer is done. It's a two-part answer right there, but I honestly... I could see Bubba going either way. I really, really could here. 
I personally would probably go for the 42 car just because that's a step up in equipment. There's more sponsors there. There's more resources there. There's better equipment there. It is not dramatically a step up compared to other cars in the Cup Series, but it is a significant step up for Bubba Wallace. Richard Petty Motorsports has an affiliation with Richard Childress Racing. And RCR has a victory this season, but that's the first victory they've had in a few seasons. And Richard Petty Motorsports, if you take away a rain delay victory that NASCAR may or may not have orchestrated in order to get the 43 a victory, they haven't won a race and been competitive in the Cup Series in 20, 25, 30 years? And at that point, you look at what the 43 and Richard Petty Motorsports has become. It was Petty Enterprises. It was Petty Motorsports. It's Richard Petty Motorsports now. And there's been about a dozen owners that have come and gone as part of that 43 car. They've moved shops about a dozen times throughout the last 20 years. And pretty much personnel have come and gone left and right to the point where pretty much nobody's been on that car consistently for the last 10 years, let alone the last 20, 30 years. So Richard Petty Motorsports isn't necessarily the Richard Petty Motorsports you think you know and love. If you think Richard Petty is going into the shop, meeting and greeting his guys, making business decisions, you're horribly wrong. Richard Petty is a figurehead. He's the face of Richard Petty Motorsports. When in reality, it's a boardroom of people who run that team, and they don't have the funds, the resources, or the know-how to win Cup Series races. I think Bubba Wallace is worth a lot more than that, personally. I think he's a much better driver, and he is clearly outracing the equipment he's given in that 43 car. We talked about it last week. This week, big news out of that camp, Bubba Wallace last Sunday teased, ooh, I got a big deal coming, ooh, this is going to help it. And I'm sure him running good last weekend actually did propel those conversations in another direction. But this week he announced that he signed a multi-year deal with Columbia Sportswear. What makes this very important? Four days after Bubba Wallace teased a potential deal, Columbia Sportswear and Richard Petty Motorsports announced a multi-year deal with the driver. That does not mean that he is driving for Richard Petty Motorsports in 2021 and beyond. It just means that Bubba Wallace is a brand ambassador for the Outdoor Clothing Company, which is also going to be serving as his sponsor at Dover next weekend. But ultimately, this is an endorsement deal that Bubba signed that he's more or less going to put on the car for a fee as well. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's staying at Richard Petty Motorsports. Just when that happened, another big announcement, DoorDash signing on a quote-unquote multi-year deal. Again, DoorDash partnering with Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty Motorsports. Don't know if that's just for this year or multi-years, but the more sponsors that sign with Bubba Wallace, the more it looks like he actually could stay at Richard Petty Motorsports. And honestly... It's not the end of the world. I think Bubba could actually win some races at Richard Petty Motorsports. It's just an uphill battle. They have a significant, significant, significant amount of work to do. They have to sign a lot more sponsors. They've done a lot of that in the last couple months, signing five, six sponsors, major sponsors. Most of them have never sponsored a NASCAR Cup Series race or car, and a lot of them have never been involved in NASCAR at all. DoorDash is one of them. We saw DoorDash. DoorDash on the car today in Daytona on that 43 car. Very cool paint scheme. 
But ultimately, is this going to help Bubba Wallace win races? It's not going to hurt them. Ultimately, they need better equipment. And yeah, you can buy the best equipment from Richard Petty Motorsports. But you know what? That's going to get you a 10th place finish. Yay! Yay! We're finishing 10th instead of 15th! Yay! We bought the best car Richard Petty Motorsports has to offer instead of the second best. Yay! Us! Is that the future Bubba Wallace really wants? I don't know. Personally, if I was involved with Richard Petty Motorsports, I might align with someone else. I'd actually look at aligning with Stuart Haas Racing, Maybe Joe Gibbs Racing, maybe Hendrick Motorsports. I know Hendrick isn't on their top game right now, but RCR is not class of the field right now. They're mid-pack just like the 43 car is, and you can kind of tell with the equipment there. Personally, I'd find better equipment. I'd team with a Joe Gibbs Racing and make that another satellite Toyota team. Personally, I think Toyota would love to get Bubba Wallace back. They had a deal with Bubba Wallace when he was driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series. He was supposed to move up to Xfinity in a few years and then into Cup in a few years. And Bubba, at the time, was younger and, in his words, dumber made the decision to go to another team to race in Xfinity full-time at the time, Roush Fenway, and that didn't work out, let's just say. He opted to not run a partial schedule in the Truck Series because he wanted to run a full season in Xfinity. At the time, it made sense. I would have done the same thing, but long-term, because potentially at this point, Bubba Wallace could be in the 20 car instead of Eric Jones slash Christopher Bell. I think he's more talented than both those drivers put together, to be honest with you. And one of them has three cup victories to his name. So you live and learn at this point. Um, ultimately, we'll have to wait and see, honestly, where Bubba Wallace ends up in 2021. Um, I honestly think that it it, it did kind of give us a little bit of an indication that he might actually be staying at Richard Petty Motorsports. But again, announcement could come sometime this week. We keep saying this because it's still the truth. Both contracts are in front of him to drive either one of those cars, and it boils down to when Bubba himself decides, I want this one or this one, and actually signs it. The millisecond he signs it, guess what? That announcement will come. It could come tonight. It could come tomorrow. It could come a month from now. We don't know. It all depends on when Bubba Wallace decides for himself where he wants to race next year. And frankly, the sooner he figures this out, it would be better. But frankly, take your time, Bubba. If I were him, I would wait until probably the very last race of the season. Go ahead and prolong this. Keep thinking about this, really, and see what both organizations are doing equipment and funding-wise then. Go ahead and make your decision, Bubba. Take your time, buddy. I'm just saying, you've got time. You're in control of this situation, and the second you sign that deal is when everything changes. You lose the control. Hold on to that control as long as you can, Bubba, because your fate is in your hands. I wish you all the luck, my friend. Go get them next year, buddy. Now, 
The other big news going into Daytona over the weekend came Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, when it was announced Austin Dillon tested positive for COVID-19. He went ahead and missed the race in Daytona. Kaz Grala actually raced the number three car to a top 10 finish, I might add, road course ace. Uh, so I honestly just wish the best for Austin. I know him and his wife, Whitney, went ahead and just had a son a couple months ago, ace, Um Whitney and Ace are both healthy and symptom-free, but honestly, at this point, we're waiting and seeing when he will return. Jimmy Johnson contracted COVID earlier this season, missed a couple races, then had two negative COVID tests back-to-back, was allowed to return to the racetrack. Brendan Gaughan also tested uh, positive for COVID-19. Again, two negative tests. He went ahead and came back to Daytona. He's going back to Daytona, I should say, in a couple weeks when they race on the high banks out there for the Cup Series. So we could see Austin Dillon return in a couple weeks. We wish him all the best, and we wish his wife and son all the best as well at this time. Also, um, we heard the big uh, the big report over last week, I should say, in the Cup Series. It's the fact that Levine Family Racing sold its team and its charter. We found out that Spire Motorsports actually bought all the equipment that is not being leased from Joe Gibbs Racing and the charter from Levine Family Racing. They will expand to a two-car organization next season. There's a lot of speculation that Ross Chastain could be driving for that organization in 2021 full-time in the Cup Series. He's raced the 77 car as an affiliate of Chip Ganassi Um in a handful of races this season and last season. So that actually does make a lot of sense, but those are rumors at this point. Going to have to wait and see what happens to that. But uh, Spire Motorsports looking to expand their presence in the Cup Series and go ahead and have a footing in the Cup Series moving forward. It's always a good thing when more teams expand. In this case, it's Spire Motorsports absorbing a closing down team, and they're going to continue keeping that car on the racetrack in 2021. It's a great thing. They currently drive the race, the 77, I should say, in the Cup Series with a rotation of drivers in that vehicle. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they have one full-time driver and another part-time rotation uh, team or two full-time teams with two full-time drivers racing for the championship. It'll be interesting to see what Spire Motorsports does in 2021. There's no official announcement on whether they're going to be driving Chevys like they currently drive or will switch to Fords or Toyotas. I think them themselves don't really know. They have a technical alliance on paper right now with Chip Ganassi Racing, but they also have a lot of connections to Hendrick Motorsports. Part of NASCAR approving this is they wanted to make sure this isn't going to be a fifth Hendrick satellite team. And at this point, it doesn't look like that. Spire Motorsports looking to build something entirely from the ground up. They also purchased the building Levine family raising races out of. So Spire Motorsports could, in theory, be contending for championships in the near future as they build themselves up. But they're starting out at the ground level. They're still building on things. Them racing in 2020, yes, is good. But they, like most smaller teams in the Cup Series, are really looking at 2022 when NASCAR releases that next generation of race car, which is going to theoretically level the playing field for the Cup Series because all of the chassis will be almost identical. So Gibbs can not get a leg up on Spire Motorsports or Hendrick can't get a leg up on Spire Motorsports. Everybody will be on level playing field. So in theory, NASCAR will have 
more of a rotation of drivers and not just Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick racing for the victory every single week. It's going to be interesting to see how Spire Motorsports evolves and develops and grows over the next two seasons here. But everyone has marked 2022 as the kind of jumping off point for smaller teams to try to get a leg up on their Cup Series competition. We're just all going to have to wait and see at this point. Make sure you mash that subscribe button if you're on Fa- or if you're on YouTube, rather. You can also watch on AmericanRacingNetwork.com. You can also listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, and of course, AmericanRacingNetwork.com, where you can also leave comments, reviews. They really help us out. Every Sunday night, Shifting Gears will be here. I want to thank you so much for watching. Make sure that you go ahead and give it a thumbs up, give it a like, give it a comment. Let us know what you think, because you drive this show as well, not just the racing content that's on here as well. Checking the racing calendar, the 104th Indianapolis 500 kicking off Sunday, August 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern on NBC. The doubleheader for the NASCAR Cup Series coming at you on Saturday, August 22nd and Sunday, August 23rd at Dover at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. The NASCAR Xfinity Series coming at you Saturday, August 22nd at Dover at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. The second round of the Pro Motocross will return on Saturday, August 22nd on NBCSN as well. The NASCAR Truck Series race coming at you at Dover at 5 p.m. Eastern on Friday, August 21st on Fox Sports 1. Off weekend for F1 before the Belgium Grand Prix returns August 28th. An off weekend for NHRA as well this weekend as they return on August 28th through the 30th at Atlanta Dragway. For everybody here at the American Racing Network and Shifting Gears, I'm Alan Bailey. Hopefully very soon, we'll see you at the track. Bye now, gearheads.